standing. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Mackenzie Jensen. Um, I am the new youth coordinator here at Lake Avenue for both the high school and middle school ministries. <laughs> Thank you guys all so much for being here. It not only means a lot for the staff here, but also the kids too. Like it means a lot to have all of us here together and just see your faces and see that connection. It's really, really special. So for today's reading, I have two special students with me, um, and they're gonna introduce yourselves. Hi everyone, I'm Talisa. I'm in the seventh grade and part of the middle school ministry. Hi, I'm Jeffrey and I'm a sophomore <laughs> in a part of the high school ministry. Perfect, and now we're gonna read God's word. And God said, let us make man in our own, in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, and over the cattle and over all earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but impeded himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the word of God. You may be seated now. <laughs> How was, the how was the first week of Rooted going? <laughs> well, it didn't go that well for me because uh, <laughs> I signed up for a young adults Rooted group and I was one of the oldest guys in the room and I felt very old and uh, thinking about my own mortality and now seeing all these young kids in, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but one of, the, one of the good things that came out of Rooted in our group, there's this young couple, uh, both are doctors actually, they are leading the group and I'm just sitting there and just participating and trying not to open my mouth, uh, but they shared this incredible story of their finding Christ, finding each other, finding the church community, and I realized that we have to emphasize one of the key um, aspect of Rooted is sharing our story, right? Like in, we live in Los Angeles, which is the story capital of the world. The power of story is something that we would know than anybody else in the world. So here is a proposal from me. I would really like to hear all those stories. And in each group, when you share the stories, if you are comfortable, if you think that it's okay for you to share with somebody else. Would you give the leader permission? Most of you have written down your stories and I've seen that people have written so that they can like say that out loud. If you could share that, if you want to, don't want to disclose your name, that's fine. But I would really like to collect these stories because it edified me unlike anything else last week. The stories uh, this our group leaders shared, and I know there are more stories to come, and this is part of a, one of the 
rhythms of the uh, rooted group experience, right? So I just want to put it out there in your group, if you, are, if you don't mind, can you give that story uh, in a written form possible uh, to the leader so that we can collect and it will encourage and edify all of us as congregation, right? Now, today, uh, the first week of Rooted, the question is, who is God? What an audacious question. <laughs> we ask as if we are ready to get the answer. What if God shows up today? And I'll tell you who I am, okay? You're asking who is God, I'll tell you who I am. Do you think we can handle the answer? I would like to do a Jack Nicholson impression. Can we? I can't do it. But can we handle the truth when we hear that? Because sometimes we ask these questions, who is God? We are going to understand who is God. Quite often, the question itself sometimes comes from our intellectual hubris. That if we can somehow figure this out, we can somehow box God into our little definition, right? So when you approach this question, I want you to have three presuppositions or three foundational assumptions with which we even start raising a question like, who is God? One, we cannot fully understand God, okay? That is the foundational assumption. We cannot fully understand God. See, a proven God is not God because God, by definition, is somebody we cannot understand. That is why we call God, God. God is found fundamentally unknowable, right? That's why we call God. Otherwise, we call him Tommy or Sally or whatever you want to call because that's the names we call the people whom we know. We don't know who this person is. We can never know, rationally comprehend the idea of God. That's why we call God, God. A potter cannot be contained in a pot. He is the creator. And if we think that he will fit into our puny little mind, you must be kidding me. So, we can never understand God. Number two, we don't have to understand God to experience him. Not everything we experience are fully comprehensible. Okay, maybe one way to say is this. You know, whenever I say, and some of you know that Joanna and I have an arranged marriage, okay? Whenever I talk about arranged marriage, immediately everybody is so curious. I might be having a conversation with some JPL engineers about some machineries, but they will drop the conversation. I might be having a conversation about movies with some of the Hollywood people. They might immediately drop it because arranged marriage, they all are so curious. There is one question. 
how do we how do you marry somebody you don't know <laughs> how do you marry somebody you know you don't know that's a legitimate question so i always ask okay good question how do you know somebody how do you marry somebody by knowing so how do you know somebody while well, we go on dates okay great that makes sense how many dates will it take for you to know a person well, then there is a complete confusion <laughs> of, about all of them. Well, somebody will say six months, and somebody will say, well, at least a year. Somebody says, oh, at least two or three years. There is a confusion between them. They forget the question they asked me. Because in the, re the reality is that it doesn't matter how many dates you go. Each human being is a mystery, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have this, uh, we, we have this mentor couple back in Toronto, Harry and Josie Belarian, Armenians, actually. So very, uh, you know, they, they were like a kind of a dad and mom figure for us. And uh, they've been married for 40 years at the time. This is, uh, so they were in their 70s at the time. So Harry would tell me all the time, Pastor Matthew, I have been married to this woman for 40 years, but it is like, Every single day, I am waking up next to a different woman, right? <laughs> Which really means that after 40 years, Harry hasn't still figured out Jersey. Because like I said, each human being is a mystery. So if we can understand somebody who lives, who shares the life with us, and how can we say that we understand God, but that doesn't prevent us from experiencing a relationship with this person. Does that make sense? So we don't have to fully understand God or anybody or anything to fully experience God. Now, the third point is the more we experience God, the better we understand Him. Right? <laughs> the more we experience God, the better we understand Him. Now that is actually what happens in an arranged marriage. Quite often the arranged marriages tend to work because they go with the presum these pres presuppositions that I don't know this person, but I have decided to plunge into, a, take a leap of faith, and I am going to love this person whom I don't know. So that presupposition helps it go. So I always say this, at least if you don't learn anything from the sermon itself, you learn something about marriage. So this is the, this is the foundation, okay? I always say this, why, the, why arranged marriage works quite often is, see, you cannot know a person enough to love that person, but you can love a person enough to know that person. Okay, I'll say that one more time. You cannot know a person enough to love that person, but you can love that person enough to know that person. Now that's what happens in our relationship with God. We are not entering with the presupposition that only if we get the answer to this question, who is God, then I will believe. Now, we start with the wrong assumption. Here we are taking what we call a leap of faith 
to experience him. And the more we experience him, the better we understand him. Now, God also gave us a, a model for us to understand him. It's not like he left us into our own devices to figure this out. That's the first verse we read. When God created human beings, he created us in his image and in his likeness. Why, I wonder? Because God said, or God brought into existence everything else simply by his words. Let there be light. There was light. Let there be trees. There were trees. Let there be man. Adam would have just showed up, right? But God did some engineering. God did some design before he created human beings. He shaped them. He formed them. He, he, did some, he did some development and design work so that he could create humanity in his image and in his likeness. So we call human beings as the crown of creation. The reason is, as that verse tells us, because we are created in his image and in his likeness, we are the best model to understand God. What does that mean? See, when I was in university, I did electrical engineering, and we had to study, uh, you know, my speciality particularly was power system engineering, so big generators and big turbines which generate electricity and distribute electricity and all these big machineries. Like some of these big machines, it, it will need a bigger space than this to fit one alternator or generator, whatever that is. But in an engineering college, we cannot really study that machinery. So we create this tabletop models, right? What do you, what do you call it? Like a, like a model. A small model, small version of this actual original, original generator, and we study that. It will have the same configuration of the real machine, but actually, it won't function as great as the real machine would be. It won't, it, won't, it won't have the same output, per se. But still, you will get a picture. In the same way, what that verse tells us is that humanity is sent onto this earth as a tabletop model of who God is. How God operates, how God relates, how we can experience God. That's why relationships are extremely important in our world. Because by relating to humanity, we will know how to relate to God. Because God himself exists in a triune relationship. So here we are, the tabletop models of God created in his image and in his likeness for the world to know how God looks like, who God is, they have to look at us. The question is, are we reflecting his image? Now, this is very important. We, the, the, the reason that we are given this image of God is to have an intimate relationship with God, to really experience him. And I, um, this is one of my favorite analogy. I always use this. Why did God create us in his image and in his likeness? So imagine a lady, a lady has a dog, okay? Uh, the, the lady and the dog loves each other. They love each other. 
and they eat together, they watch movie together, they go and walk together, they even sleep together, and they are so close, and all of that is true. But imagine this lady goes through a breakup, or she lost her job, or whatever. Can she completely relate to this dog, and can she really share her deepest, darkest pain with this dog? And I know dogs are emotional beings too. They can, they can read some of this emotion, but fundamentally, only a dog can understand a dog, and only a lady can understand a lady. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> so the point, the point is, <laughs> the point is that, the point is that you have to have the same image and likeness to share the deepest feelings you have, to completely enter into a perfect, intimate relationship. The God of the Bible was so thirsty for a relationship with humanity and that he created us in his image and in his likeness so that we can experience him. And then what happened? The Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3 happened. Something called the fall. I have no time to explain this. But if you think all that happened in that Garden of Eden was somebody was eating some trees, some fruits of a tree, and then have, had a tummy ache or something like that, there is much more significant to that story than I can ever explain from this stage. Something happened which has cosmic significance. We fell from the image and likeness of God. Here we are. We are not reflecting God. There is this darkness that is lurking inside all of us, which we refuse to see. And we try to brand this off into something else. Right? Last week, we took some time to remember the victims of Monterey Park shooting. And at that time, the issues were unfolding and we didn't know what exactly was happening. I was with some of the other clergies at the site and we had another memorial, many of them. And when the news came out, more and more, and somebody actually told me, told me my goodness, I'm glad the shooter was a crazy old dude. Otherwise, it would have been a big problem. If that person was of a different race, it would have been a problem. Because we have this quick inclination to bracket things into known categories. It is much easier for us to blame things on racism or gun violence. <laughs> or police brutality, all of these are equally culpable in varying degrees. I'm not saying that. But fundamentally, we need to recognize that. When we look at the mirror, the image that God created and likeness is so fallen. When I look at the mirror, I don't see the image and likeness of God, but I see the image of crazy old dude staring at me. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm not ashamed. 
and I can stand here and say that I am the senior pastor. I am holier than thou. No, that person is lurking in all of you, whether you admit or not. That black police officers who did that brutality, whether you are police or not, that person is inside all of you. It's inside me. And it is the, by the grace of God and the redemption God has provided, we are still here. Now that is what happened in Genesis chapter 3. The proclivity to sin, unless we crush evil at the very bottom, sorry, Unless we learn to crush the evil at our individual soul, there is no solution to any of this. And church, and only church is given this precious message. It is perfectly okay for politicians and social institutions to bracket into the categories. That is the only way they can study. It is not their fault and they are right in some way. But church, only church is given the privilege to know the mystery of something called the fall and the sin that is lurking in our individual soul. Unless we question that in our image, there is no solution. We are only adding to the problem. What I'm saying is Genesis 3 completely turned the story upside down. We lost the image of God. Now, then we see in the New Testament when God realized that we lost his image and likeness, God did an incredible thing in the New Testament. He came in our image and in our likeness so that he can enter into a perfect relationship with them. Isn't that beautiful? See, in the creation, in creation, we see human in the form of divine. Humanity was created in the form of God. In creation, we see human in the form of divine. But in the, in the New Testament, in redemption, we see divine in the image of human. See, in the Old Testament, we see God and God like man. And in the New Testament, we see man and man like God. This perfect relationship between two beings of equal configuration. So in creation, again, I want you to remember, in creation we see human in the form of divine. And in the redemption story, we see divine in the form of human. That is why we say, although he existed in the form of God, the God of the Bible did not sit there on a mighty throne and say, worship me, worship me. No, the God of the Bible realized that I need to come down because I need to enter into this experiential relationship with humanity. So he, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself. Kenosis, I hope you remember a couple of weeks ago I taught you that word. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being in the likeness of man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient 
obedient to the point of death. When humanity lost the experiential relationship of divinity, God came to experience humanity. And you will see that only in the Bible. <laughs> God came to experience humanity. God came in the flesh that is susceptible to decay and destruction and death. God experienced the ultimate tragedy of humanity, which is death itself so that he can bring us redemption. I'm going to close here. I want you to know which paradigm of religion are you operating? Are you still thinking of God as this intellectual being and I love when you take sermon notes and I love when you try to learn this kind of stuff, which is all good and I want you to continue doing that. But unless we experience God, but before that, we need to confront ourselves. Before we accuse everybody, people say, Pastor Matthew, why are you not talking about these issues and that issues? And I said, who told you that I'm not speaking about that issues? I speak about this every single Sunday. You don't hear what you want to hear, but what I'm speaking is the problem that is lurking in all of us, which is the foundational issues in the society and what is happening in the world today. So I challenge you to confront you first before you confront the world. Look at the mirror. Look at the mirror and see what is the image you are observing. Can you close your eyes for a minute? I'll let worship team come, for, come up. See, I just want in especially that if you are not a Christian, if you wandered into church today, I want you to use this few seconds for a self-confrontation. Confront yourself. And if you realize that you are fallen, just like I am, your senior pastor, and then there is solution. The one who created you in his image and in his likeness is here today in your image and in your likeness so that he can redeem you today, today, now. So would you say a prayer with me? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. This is not a Billy Graham crusade. There is no spectacle happening but I want you to say this prayer in your heart. God, I admit that I am fallen. I know that I don't reflect the image or likeness of God. I know there is sin lurking in my heart. And I know that I cannot get rid of this. So Lord, I thank you for the fact that you came down on, you, on my image and my likeness and gave your life on the cross and resurrected on the third day so that you have power over death and sin. So here I am surrendering myself to live a renewed and resurrected life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.